0: Welcome to Live Truth Podcast, a podcast geared towards helping women to know Jesus, love Jesus, and live truth boldly, which should in turn cause us to
1: glorify God with our lives, think biblically, and be compelled to make disciples. Hello and welcome back. I hope your day is going well so far. I'm your host, Katrika. Thank you so much again for tuning in. Today, we will hear from Monique Dusen She is the founder of Center for Biblical Unity. Monique and I have a much-needed conversation centered around biblical justice, social justice, uh, racial reconciliation, racism, and what God's word has to say in relation to all of these topics. I would also like to add a caveat that I failed to mention during the episode when Monique and I were discussing justice as it pertains to helping the poor. As I stated in our Critical Race Theory episode, when we practice mercy ministry, when we go and give to the poor, we go with the gospel. You know, what benefit of helping physically with um, would it be if their spiritual needs have been left untouched? At that point, I would say we're just doing mere humanitarian work. Um, so let's keep that in mind as we give and make sure we're providing for their spiritual need as well. Um, that will last for all eternity, should they be one of God's elect. Also, the other thing was, as I was speaking about Esther, I said Mordecai and I meant Haman. So y'all please forgive me. All right. (laughs) And as always, thank you guys so much for your support. Here's the conversation between Monique and I. Grace and peace. I love you dearly. Hey, Monique. Thank you for joining me today. Hello. Thanks for having me. Of course. Of course. If you will tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to faith in Christ. Well, my name
0: is Monique Dusan, and I am the co-founder of the Center for Biblical Unity. We're based in Los Angeles, California. Um, Gosh, my faith in Christ. How did I come to faith in Christ? It's not like I forgot. Um, I was a teenager. I was 15 and was in high school. I was in 10th grade. And um, a friend of mine invited me to go to youth group, but she actually called it Club E.M., And, you know, and said it was a teen club. And, you know, at that part of the nineties, um, late nineties, teen clubs were like a popping thing. And, you know, everybody was like, oh, did you go to this club? Did you go to that club? She never told me it was a youth group. Uh So I'm thinking I'm going to a teen club. I'm like, ready. (laughs) I told my mom, I don't know. I think I must have lied to my mom because my mom (laughs) would not have let me go to somebody's teen club. And so I meet her like at our little meeting point and we walk to this church. Hmm. And I was like, what are we doing at this church? And I got on like a little shirt and everything. Right. My tummy out, And, you know, I was like, and she was like, well, club EM is like a youth, like hangout place and stuff like that. Where, where I go to church. And I was like, you told me it was a club and there it was. And so I went in, I stayed. My friend's name was Tracy. My gosh, I haven't talked to her in years. And from there, I just began to meet people. There were quite a few kids from high school there. And through staying, um, I actually heard the gospel and actually was able to develop a relationship with Jesus. Or um, I guess the understanding that... um, there was a God and he was bigger than me and outside of me and um, outside of time. And, you know, some of what those things meant for me as a kid growing up in, in kind of a chaotic home. And so I wanted what, the youth pastor was offering. And from there I developed relationships with youth leaders and they really spoke into my life. Um, two in particular who just stayed with me on my journey, um, through high school and, um, through like my high school years and into college where, you know, I could call on these people for anything. And they, they taught me the importance of prayer and worship and in reading the word and stuff. And so, yeah that's that's it i was tricked. i was like i thought we was going to a club
1: (laughs) hey man and praise the lord that the lord had some people stand by you and walk alongside you you know throughout your walk um to disciple you because a lot of times that's what's missing you know sometimes we can get taken to these places and you know profess christ but then don't have anyone to walk alongside of us so we left and fall back out into the world you know the lord for that provision that he um had waiting for you. Yeah, I was completely shocked. (laughs) I bet you were. (laughs) I tell people, when I first came to Christ, it was just like supernatural, you know, just from dead you literally go from death to life and you see things so much differently you know um mm-hmm. so I understand that shock is I had told one pastor that I felt I felt supernatural <laughs> it was like you're normal but then I didn't realize mm-hmm. that I have the power of the living God living on the inside of me so that was what I was experiencing mm-hmm. but he didn't know to tell me that you know yeah. um so yeah I can relate to that Um, Well, today we'll be discussing social justice, uh, well, a biblical perspective of social justice, well, not biblical justice, social Mm -hmm. justice, racial reconciliation. And so my first question I would like to ask you is that what is the difference between social justice and biblical justice?
0: Yeah, great question. I think a lot of people get tripped up because both, um, words or phrases have the word justice in it. Mm -hmm. And so when, when I talk about biblical justice, I am talking about God's righteous standard for his people. Um, how do we treat people according to God's perspective or position according to the law? And so biblical justice would be the way or the mandates that have been put forward for us to interact or treat one another based on God's standards. So some people would say, well, it's about fairness. It's about, you know, being fair to one another. And I will say, yes, but we also have to make sure that we say it's about about fairness according to God's standard. Because if you look in well, if you look in any parts of the scripture, like if we take um, the, the setup for like elders and things like that, well, we would say, well, that's not fair in, in our current culture. It's not fair that a woman can't be like a senior pastor or an elder. Well, fairness, according to whose standard, we look at things according to God's standard. When I look in the Old Testament, which justice is an Old Testament concept, we look at God's law. How do I treat someone equally under the law? I'm not going to favor the rich or the poor. And James, I believe it says, you know, that we should not show favoritism. I'm not going to participate with someone impartiality. We have equal dignity, value, and worth. Mm-hmm. And yet in positions, there may be times when a man is called to do something like being a senior pastor or an elder that a woman is not or um, we can look at the issue of LGBTQ plus within the church. Well, you know, if I only look at the concept of justice as being fair, then I would say, well, why can't uh, a a person who identifies as LGBTQ plus, either themselves or affirming, be someone that I would have as an elder or as a bishop, a, a senior pastor, things like that? Well that goes against God's standard of righteousness for how he's called people to live. So biblical justice looks at how we are called to live, how we are called to treat one another within the community of faith, and how we treat image bearers according to God's righteous standard. Now, social justice, social justice is a little different. Social justice is more of, you know, Fairness, according to my idea or my definition of what I think is fair, it, um, social justice looks at some usually um, wealth, equity, property. How do we make sure that all things are equitable or equal according to um usually pretty human concepts. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that sits outside of us. As in with biblical justice, I get these ideas mm-hmm. and um, tenets from God who sits outside of space and time. Right. Within social justice, it all comes from the human. It all comes from my position, my thought on what I think is deemed right, fair, good, true, beautiful, and how we should participate. So I would say the major difference between a biblical justice perspective and a social justice perspective is the perspective itself. Who creates the, the perspective? I don't create biblical justice. I abide by it. Right. In social justice, these are concepts that we create based on what we believe is fair mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: And- or how we believe people should treat one another, not based on God's moral law for what the standard is for how we should treat people.
1: Well, amen. Amen. And segueing into, you know, injustice, what do you say to, um, the term or the, 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 the saying, um, just share the gospel, you know, regarding injustice. Girl, you must make me throw my hands up. <laughs> because, you so, know, I, I was one of those ones, you know, cause I kind of jumped on that bandwagon at first, you know, um, because I, you know, I, I love sharing the gospel anyway. So it's just like, the gospel is the answer. We can't legislate. Mm -hmm. The gospel is the answer, you know, but then Mm -hmm. I started to look at different situations. I'm like, but what if I don't say nothing about this or what if I don't do something about this or, you know, and so then I kind of started having second thoughts. So what what do you say to that? Yes, we need to share the gospel. Mm -hmm. I definitely
0: 100% Mm -hmm. and I also need to be in line with what the word of God tells me to do. So Mm -hmm. how am I supposed to respond to injustice? Mm -hmm. How do I respond to the poor, the needy, the orphan, the widow? How do I um, respond to those who the Bible considers oppressed people? Now, social justice over here is going to say, these are all the categories of oppressed people. Well, Mm -hmm. no, biblically, what does the Bible say about oppressed people? What, what, um, makes you um, be considered someone who is oppressed or at risk of oppression, and then how do I respond to that? Now, the gospel is what will change the heart, which will hopefully lead to lasting impact. Right. Right. But while I am waiting for that gospel message to transform, I still need to be about doing the righteous acts that God has called me to. Mm-hmm. So I'm not,
1: does that answer your question? It does, but I want you to delve a little bit deeper. When you say do the righteous acts, like give some, some examples of like some righteous acts regarding um, combating injustice or 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 um, addressing injustice.
0: So let's take it biblically. Let's look at the rich man and Lazarus. Okay. So the, the story goes that there was um, a rich man and a poor man and the poor man, Lazarus, he he just sat at literally the entryway of this man's house, this rich man's house every day. How do we know that he sat at the, the entryway of this man's house? Because the, the scripture says that the rich man had to walk over mm-hmm. um, Lazarus while the dogs literally licked his sores. And this man would have just loved to get, um, you know, a piece of crumb that would have fallen from this guy's table and all these things. Well, they both died. Yeah. they die lazarus goes and he sits in, in the bosom of abraham or in paradise and the the rich man goes to hell well what was it that that the that we can glean from the story mm-hmm. part of what we can glean from the story is that this man who um I think if we were, we look deeper into the story would have understood the moral laws of God based on the old Testament, Mm -hmm. yet he didn't participate righteously because he stepped over the poor. Mm -hmm. When we look into the old Testament, we see how Mm -hmm. we are to treat the poor. We see how we're supposed to treat the widow. We see how we are supposed to treat people. We have the 10 commandments that also give us instruction on how to treat one another. And so When, when we look at, you know, injustice today, I think we need to one clearly define, well, what is injustice is, is injustice, um, or what is being called injustice part of what God would say is a a biblical form of injustice. But when we see injustice, we act upon the injustice. I don't just walk over, you know, the poor person that is in my sphere of influence. That would be a form of injustice. Now, yes. Do I, do I pray about, well, how can I, you know, serve this person? Um, What would the Lord have me do? What is the biblical thing to do? We're not trying to, and and today I I feel like it can get a little tricky because you have um, homeless people on a lot of off ramps and people who are, you know, right there drinking and shooting drugs and all of that stuff. And I'm not trying to give you money to, um, to enhance your habit. But how can I work to help the poor? How can I work to help the orphan or the widow? These are things that we should still be considering in, in, you know, 2022. It's not that, you know, that was just something that was written in the Bible.
1: Amen. I I think about Esther, Esther with Mordecai and how Mordecai wanted to kill the Jews. Um, And she basically pretty much risked her life to go before King Xerxes and um, call Mordecai out on that. So I think about, you know, that part of um, practicing justice, too, um, as you were speaking, that that just came to my mind.
0: Yeah. Oh, sorry. I think another good one is um, Ruth and Boaz you know, Ruth, Naomi, and Orpah, they all lost their husbands. Now, Orpah went back to, to the old ways and to her old country, but Ruth and Naomi, they go back to Bethlehem and um, Ruth goes to glean in Boaz's field. Boaz had to, it says when he came on, when he came on the scene, Boaz asked, who's that woman over there? Mm-hmm. So that means that he had to be aware of his surroundings. He wasn't just coming in going and letting people do what they want to do and then he put a a, um, a word out to the men, don't touch her mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he He understood the biblical principle of how we should treat one another. don't rape her, don't beat her, don't treat her poorly because mm-hmm. that's not how we participate with one another, even though Ruth was not uh, um, an Israelite. Mm-hmm. she was not Hebrew. she was from Moab-. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there was also laws for the foreigner who came to live under your land, as long as they were participating in accordance with your land mm-hmm. and, and the laws of your land and, and things like that and wanting to worship your God, the, the, the God of the Hebrews. Wow. And so Boaz, all the way down to the Kinsman Redeemer, um, the Kinsman Redeemer laws and taking Ruth as his wife and, you know, all of these things, we see him participating in a way with Ruth that is very just, that is very... um. Fair that goes in, a, in accordance with God's standard of righteousness, with His word for how we should treat one another.
1: Amen. Amen. That's a good example as well. What do you, What do you think about, or what do you h- How do you think we can practice justice without creating injustice? If that makes sense. Ooh, my goodness gracious! <laughs> you know, without it turning into injustice. I've seen a lot of that take place. Um, you know, in the last year or two. I think that first of all, we have to be
0: in the reality that true justice is not going going to happen this side of heaven. Mm -hmm. I can, I can work hard. I can, Mm -hmm. you know, be in the word I can live my life according to God's standards and principles. And yet I am a fallen person and I will not do that perfectly. Mm -hmm. And so when we get to heaven and, you know, on the other side, well, then we will be able to experience the full glory of, of justice because believe it says, oh, I don't remember the location, but that justice is what encircles the throne of God. So we will experience true justice when we are with him. Um, mm-hmm. But how can we do justice here without creating injustice? Well, I think for the first part is to get into the word to understand the, these definitions what is just, what is unjust according to God's standards, who are oppressed, who are marginalized according to God's standards. But then it's also to understand the dignity, value, and worth, the imago day. Every person is created in God's image. And because they are created in God's image, they have dignity, value, and worth. And so I don't care if you are Christian or non-Christian. I participate with you in a, in a specific way because you are created in God's image. What does that mean? Next, I would say, what does it mean for us to to live according to godly standards? By godly standards that we see in Genesis one. So mm-hmm. to have to have marriage, to know that the family is the foundation for society, to um, abide by the principle of work. These are all things that create help to create more just societies. But when we see these things removed, so when I see, um, certain certain welfare programs implemented into a society that removes opportunity to work or removes someone's desire to work, that's actually an injustice and going against God's standard for the human person. When we see um, things like LGBTQ plus promoted within our churches. Well, we need to understand that that isn't God's design for the family. That's actually an injustice when we go in and say, Hey, as God's people, you should or could can whatever participate in these things, because that goes against God's design for people, for humanity, for the family. And what we want to do as, um, christ followers is we want to be working and walking in accordance with god's word and his mandate over humanity
1: amen 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 and so let's transition to race um and terms- girl we can't go there yet <laughs>
0: Don't am <explain>. girl <laughs>
1: Woo! Race, okay, let's okay talk- here we go go ease on in easy okay. well in terms of race define what racial reconciliation
0: is girl don't nobody know it's a little bit of this and a little bit of that first of all excuse me because this is my very first interview of 2022 okay so i'm a little all over the place oh goodness let me settle myself okay so racial reconciliation how i'm gonna say how i would define it and how i have defined it especially um learning about it in college and participating in racial reconciliation groups and things like that is that it's kind of like bringing everybody to the table we all want to be reconciled we want to we want to talk about all of our grievances and actually that's usually just people of color telling all the white people what they done done wrong and how they can lament repent and legislate to get better but they really can't get better there's always going to be something. So that's, that's really how um, I feel like racial reconciliation plays out. I think people would say that it is, um, it's bringing people together to understand our commonality, but also to understand, um, the grievances that, that people groups have against each other, usually people of color, um, or BIPOC groups against white people. And, um, you know, in the hopes that when understanding or after understanding what these issues are, white people will come around and do more and be better and things like that. And we'll be able to reconcile and move forward. Mm. I don't
1: believe that, but, you know, you ain't asked me that question yet, so I'm going to be over here in my lane. Mm-hmm. So in that, are are we as a church to um, engage in racial reconciliation? Are we to practice racial reconciliation? Well, you
0: know, I have
1: another question mm-hmm.
0: that people who, because usually people who oppose racial reconciliation would say that race is a, a social construct. Mm-hmm. So if race is a social construct, basically it's made up what you trying to reconcile. Right. I do not, um, I used to believe very strongly in racial reconciliation. I do not anymore. I do not believe it's a biblical concept. I think that reconciliation itself is something that happens between God and man. Mm -hmm. And we see that in 2 Corinthians uh maybe five. Um, I believe it's 2 Corinthians 5. We read that whole, that whole chapter about um um gosh, where's my Bible? So I can go ahead and just break this down real quick. Amen. Um and
1: then let's talk Looking about at the old now. man and the new man. Go ahead. I'm sorry. And let's talk about how, you know, um, you know, race basically is not biblical, you know, um, mm-hmm. let's delve into that too.
0: So 2 Corinthians 5, that, that whole chapter really breaks it down for us. Um, because it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, the oldest path. Let me see. This is not where I want to go down to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, here we are. Second Corinthians 5:16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Okay, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. So we're not looking at people according to their old man. I'm not looking at you according to your skin color. I'm not looking at you according to your, your ethnic makeup because that's a part of the old man. Now, do I still wear black skin? Yes, and we can talk about what that means and how we deal with that and all of that. But in looking at the idea of racial reconciliation, um, before, I, before that verse, I think in like verses 10 or something like that, it talks about hearts being reconciled to God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's it. Our, when, when we come into the kingdom of faith, when I um, when I put my faith in Jesus, mm-hmm. I come into the kingdom of, of, of God. He becomes my Father. Um, it says to those who believed in Him, He gave the right to become children of God in um, John one twelve. When I become a child of God, and when you become a child of God, we become sisters. Amen. We are reconciled at that point. Mm-hmm. There is no extra work no matter if you are black, white or otherwise that needs to be done for our reconciliation. Now if we have a, a issue we had a fallen out or something like that, we might need to talk and and come to a better understanding of what happened. But to say we cannot be unified, we cannot be reconciled because of the color of skin or because of the past, well I'm not regarding you according to your old man anymore. And people, I think many Christians really struggle with this. I struggle with this in thinking, well, if that racist decides that they now want to, you know, be a Christian, well, what am I going to do with that? Because just yesterday he was acting funny. Right, right.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, what
0: does the word tell me to do? That Mm -hmm. I regard you according, um, no longer according to your old man. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now you, you might have some things to work out. We can talk about all that. But if you've truly come into the household of faith, you're gonna leave that old mom, old man behind. That's right. But if you come into the household of faith and you still acting funny, well, we might need to, you know, bring you into church discipline. That's a whole nother question and conversation of what do we do with racism in the church. But um racial reconciliation is based on the concept that you are still attached to that old man and that I am still judging you or acting in accordance with you from the place of that old man we have to understand that we once we become adopted and family in the
1: kingdom we are truly family now how do we live that out amen amen uh and speaking speaking of that you know I saw so much you know in the last year to you know with blacks feeling like you know um whites owe us you know um even seeing of course you've probably seen some videos of you know how white people were having to kiss black people's feet and you know it was just so sad and i was just so angry because i'm like Mm -hmm. that is blasphemy to the cross of christ it's like saying the cross of christ is not enough how dare Mm -hmm. we say somebody owe us something you know Mm -hmm. what i'm saying yeah like (laughs) like come to christ repent yeah repent but we don't owe anything else. They don't owe anybody anything else. We don't owe one another anything else but to mm-hmm. love one another. You know, mm-hmm. so I just that just that just blew my mind. I was just like, I cannot. You know, I even yes. had someone come and tell me, you know, hey, it's some people down there in the corner. It's now's the time you can get whatever you want from them. Mm-mm, mm-mm. And that's a fair surprise! See, you know, mm-hmm. I was so just distraught by it, I just could not believe it. Yes, and but that's the that's the. The moment that we're in, it's
0: like this shame based culture.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I would say that's that many white people, I would say in the church and out of the church mm-hmm. live in mm-hmm. that they either owe black people and brown people something or that something needs to, you know, still be made right. Now, mm-hmm. if you in culture and you want to live that way, that's fine. I have no jurisdiction over culture. Just like Paul said, I can't go and tell you what to do in culture. Mm -hmm. Culture is going to call you're going to do that. But when you step into the church, we have an objective standard by which to live by. Mm -hmm. And we don't participate with each other from that position. I don't hold shame over you. There's not this. Um unpayable kind of debt that is owed to black and brown people that that just isn't true we don't find that in the word and so we need to be um proclaiming truth mm-hmm. and you know I, I feel like you know I'm not a pastor or you know an elder things like that but I can use my voice still to proclaim truth but pastors and elders should be you know or um, I guess my heart and my wish is that they would be from the pulpits um, or small groups or at, you know, some uh, announcement, something, mm-hmm. Hey, don't be bound up to this. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is a worldly hangup. This is something that um, the world wants to, to, to label you as a white privilege, white supremacist, um, you know, whatever, but in the church, we don't do that. Amen be free in the church, be free here and know that we are all equal because we all do share in the Imago Day.
1: Amen. And it seems like you just answered my question. Um, but if you'd like to elaborate more, I was going to ask you, how do we address those that, you know, have the mindset that, or, or not just have the mindset, but display their actions in regards to, you know, kind of like sin being the super sin of all. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, racism being the racism, super sin i'm sorry racism uh-huh. racism being the super sin like mm-hmm. how, how do how do we address that um i feel i like- would ask where do
0: you
1: where do you find that biblically mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: like all have sinned mm-hmm. so but where do you where do you find that racism is the original sin mm-hmm. where do you find that racism is the biggest sin mm-hmm. um where, like, where do you find these things? You know, I, I think you, and goodness, I, I'm in seminary, but I haven't made it that far yet. So, but like, in my mind, I could say, you know, well, the, the sin of like messing with children, because it says oh, it's better, better you like tie a millstone around your neck and be thrown into the deepest parts of the sea. i I don't know, that could be out of context. I'm just going to put that caveat out there, but you know, I think that. Um, you know, there are different consequences for different sins. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But just because there's different consequences for different sins doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, this sin is is worse than that sin. No, mm-hmm. all sin separates us from God. Right. All sin keeps us from his glory. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so racism is you know, another sin. It's another, um, I think biblically we would call it partiality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I could also, you know, call it tribalism, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, how people just kind of group together in their own tribe. But I, I think people would be hard pressed to find that racism is like, you know, the biggest sin on the planet, the original sin, America's original sin. mhm
1: yeah, because I, I, I know a couple of people that, you know, their their big mission on earth is to um, make everyone realize, you know, all the slavery that went on and how we're behind the eight ball so to speak, and how, um, you know, we just, um, how, how everyone has misconstrued the, the, the color of the people in the Bible. And, and I'm like, at the end of the day, you know, Christ is what matters, you know, whether he's mm-hmm. blue, black, brown. He came to save us and he died mm-hmm. for us. And that's at the end of the day was what matters. Now, I don't have a problem with sharing history, but when we make that the end all be all, that's not what we're here to do. You know what I'm saying? And it can be yeah. a distraction and just, and and then you got to think about, you know, are you making this an idol? Have you made your skin yes. an idol, you know? Yes. Um. So yeah. And so Ooh, that's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. How do you how do we address um, or, or no? Why do you think that race is so bad now? Um, why do you think things are so bad now in the terms of race? Gosh. Um, it seems like we've taken the time for the worst. <laughs> uh, yes, I would say that.
0: Um, I, I, I honestly, and I don't want to give all the credit to media, mm-hmm. but I do believe that a lot of it is blown up in the media. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we are given a very skewed version of what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is shoveled into our TVs, our computer screens, our phones. Um, you can, you know, be at the airport and the screen up at the top next to, you know, your flight number is gonna have information on it. We, um, we are shown information that says that America is the most racist nation on the planet. And so everything that happens to a Black person is because of racism. Things Mm -hmm. only happen to Black people. Um, We are never shown when there's an injustice against a white person. That's right. That's true. It's very, very rarely that you will see, um, you know, if an injustice is happening to a white or Asian person. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And I would say you'll see more Asian injustice than you will white injustice on, on screens or flowing through your social media and stuff like that. Um, I also think that there is a way that the church can talk about, um, injustice, racism, and things like that, that then seeps out into the community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if the church supports it and the church is a pillar or a foundation, well, you know, of course we should believe this too. I think there are a number of things that that feed into, you know, the way we have as a society embraced race at this time. George Floyd was a, a horrible tragedy. And I think the way that it was promoted and, um, you know, actually the word that comes to me is pimped out. I feel like I feel like people actually pimp this horrible tragedy to be able to to continue to create a race narrative that actually isn't true in America today. You know, the the thought of America being the most racist country on the planet. Well, people who say that obviously have not traveled and spent much time outside of America. They haven't spent time in you know, Asia where there is there is racism among people. They haven't spent time in a lot of Africa where you can see even though these people look the same and share the same skin color, there's tons of of tribalism and racism among different groups. And so um and I mean this is like it, it leads to everybody deaf. They don't care. Right. Behead you like whatever. And so um I just I don't think that those people have really spent much time outside of America. And then I also don't know that they have taken time to study the data and, um, and the history. So, you know, it's easy to repeat or regurgitate, you know, information of, well, America is just a racist society. And then you see that on, the TV and you know it just it's like a cycle. I'm just going to continue to to see or to speak what I see, mm-hmm. but without the data and the information, it actually isn't true. America, I would say, is far beyond most nations um, in the world in regards to racial justice, and this country is the country where black people have the opportunity to thrive, probably
1: the most.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: That's true. And outside of, you know, it being sin, um, sin and, you know, just the enemy doing what he does. What, what, do you think are the, the, I mean, I know we can't judge hearts, but just what, like, what do you think is the reason for this motive to cause the division and by the way that it is like, what, what do they have to the gain by doing this?
0: I think from, you know, and I don't, I don't talk about politics, um, very often at all, but I do think that there is a, a political gain Mm -hmm. I think that when you um, divide people, they are easier to conquer. I think that, um, you know, keeping people in a race-based narrative continues to spew hate and continues to keep people suspicious of one another. Um, And these are all things that we see in scripture. Like this is the the word says, um, you know, like either a nation or a household divided against itself cannot stand. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, so how do we as people stand? How do we as the church stand? And as long as there is division, I think people will not be able to stand. I also think that um, the creation of confusion You know, and I don't, I'm not trying to judge people's hearts and say, you know, this is an intentional, you know, creation of confusion and things like that. But I do believe that there is an air of confusion um, for many different reasons within America at this point, but also deeply within the church, people not knowing what to believe, not understanding definitions, Mm -hmm. not, um, not knowing who they are as, um, Christ followers or as God image bearers. And so now, yes, I am going to go kiss your boot because Mm -hmm. I don't know who I am. The, the confusion is deep. And so again, my, my heart and desire is that, um, those in authority within the church would be speaking truth Mm -hmm. and, um, and wisdom. So that, so that confusion doesn't lie within the body. Confusion is always going to be in the culture, but it should not
1: lie in the body. Amen. And how do we, how do you feel like we can build true unity, biblical unity?
0: Well, biblical unity is based on the word of God. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. based on the scriptures. It's based on, um, what we rally around. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and I can, I can have that with a person of any color, Mm -hmm. doesn't matter what your skin color is, what, you know, your socioeconomic status is, what do we believe? And how do we move forward on that belief together? So my, my position for biblical unity is that we you know, understand historically what the word of God means. I'm not looking, you know, for a newfangled word from the Lord or, you know, things like that. No, I'm looking at what has the word of God said when John, when Jesus prayed for our unity in John 17, he prayed for our unity because it served a purpose. Our unity would show others that he is real, that he loves us, that he, he was sent, you know, by the father. And so, um, we need to to truly understand that our unity has to be centered on the scriptures it has to be centered on the historic faith because we do have a culture that is watching mm-hmm. and
1: people who need to know that God loves them amen 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 thank you for that and i got one more question for you in terms of uh, when you see people say or believers i would say say um support black business with black businesses or have you know, certain lectures or have certain um, certain, certain things built around, you know, supporting only Black people. How do you feel about that? Girl, they
0: fickle. Sorry, that's me just attributing something to somebody heart. But like, honestly, I feel like it's fickle because we want to support Black businesses, lift Black voices and all this stuff. They won't lift my voice and I'm Black because I don't go along with the narrative.
1: Right, right. That's why
0: I call it fickle hmm mm-hmm. Like as Christians, we can't be fickle. Right. You don't you want to be somebody who lift black voices, well, then lift all the black voices. Right. Right. Or at least lift the biblical black voices. But nine times out of 10, when they be like, you need to lift black voices, they be talking about lift the, the progressive black voice, lift the black voice like BLM that promotes the black trans movement and the decline of the nuclear family, mm-hmm. lift um the black voice that supports reparations, lift the black voice that is telling white people they need to shine and kiss their boots and all this. What?
1: Right. Wouldn't it be you know partiality being that we're all in the body of Christ? So why would we be segregating also? You know what I'm saying? I didn't even get a chance to get there. You can go here, girl. You don't <laughs> preach of it. <laughs> it was
0: the Holy, Holy Spirit. Because it yeah, it is partiality. <laughs> mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: It is. The Lord is not looking down um on us and, and, and it's like, well, you know what? Look at this nice little black girl. Let me lift her voice. Mm-hmm, Wild the mm-hmm. white man let me just go ahead and um you know shut him up real quick mm-hmm. that that's not god it, it it talks about not um it well it talks about treating people with equal weights and measures mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: if we aren't if we aren't participating with people from equal weights and measures that we are in sin right right so this idea that i need to now have a special church serve girl out here we have in church and i'm, I'm sure this is around the country mm-hmm. but special church services just for black people no worship time not- your bipoc worship time and all, what
1: wow yeah what? i heard that we don't have it here yet
0: yeah i hope you don't get it
1: right but
0: you know this that's not of god we are not to treat people with favoritism mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and everybody is impacted by sin You know, in in America's history, Black people, brown people, you know, we have been impacted severely by racism, Mm -hmm. but that don't mean that we're the only groups that have been impacted by racism. That part. Uh Yeah, that part. Mm -hmm. And that don't mean that that's the only sin that impacts people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, yeah, no, I'm I'm not, I'm not for the segregated spaces and, you know, safe spaces. And if you that fragile, you might need to sit home. Mm -hmm. Like- Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. And and yes, we talk a lot about, you know, the idea of this white fragility. It's white people who are so fragile and you can't say anything to them. But then you got black people on the other hand who was like, well, I need my safe space. So are you not fragile, too? Right. I don't mm, I'm
1: not I'm not for it. I'm not here for it. Amen. Amen amen and and even thinking about the the terms you know race when we break it down like you were saying earlier from a biblical perspective it's either you know we're showing hate or partiality and the answer is still the gospel you know what i'm mm-hmm. saying Not all of these different methods and modes and just all these different um worldly ways of trying to like you said reconcile and you know um being get get, being appeased and you know you offer me your forgiveness or or i'm offering you my forgiveness under these terms you know it should just be the gospel you know so thank you for all of that um i know you weren't feeling well so you did an awesome job and so praise the lord for you yes um, is there anything else you would like to share with us Um,
0: Just that people can get connected with the Center for Biblical Unity at centerforbiblicalunity.com. That's our website. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, join the family. Um, Every Thursday we do a family meeting where either my ministry partner, Krista or I, or both of us together hop on. And we just do a live stream for an hour and we check in. Everybody can check in say where they're from, what's going on with them ways that we can pray for you. Uh, You know, at Center for Biblical Unity, we are family and, you know, that's what I mean. And so that's what we're going to live out because that's what the word says, not just because I mean it, but actually because the word says it. So how do we live in accordance with scripture's mandate for us to participate according to Ephesians 1 and 2 as family?
1: Amen, somebody. Okay. <laughs> now, if you will, Forrest, will you share the gospel with our listeners to give them a chance to come to faith in Christ and encourage those who are already in Christ? sorry about that. Um, yes. So
0: gosh, when, um, when I think about, about sharing the gospel, um, I, tend to think about like the history, like, why do we even need a gospel? Well, and what is a gospel? So first of all, the gospel is the good news. Um, that's literally what the word gospel means. It means good news. And what is the good news? The good news is that, um, people who were once separated from a holy God now have an opportunity to be reconciled back to a holy God. And we see this in, um, 2 Corinthians 5, the ministry of reconciliation, um, that has been afforded to us through the work of Jesus. And so, um, yeah, let me give a little little history is that we have a God who is the creator of the world. He created the world, all that's in it. And he also created humans directly in his image. Unfortunately, our relationship with this holy God became severed. Disrupted when man chose to rebel against his creator, and we have spent every day and every moment since that time in a separation or rebellion. But thankfully, God sent His Son Jesus to be a um, an, an an offering or a propitiation. I think is the is the word that we find um, in First John two as an offering for our sin, a way back to the father. He, um, he came and he lived a perfect life that was not in rebellion to God. And then he was crucified on the cross and his shed blood was was has made an offering or a way back, created a way back to the father. He was our perfect sacrifice. And by putting our belief and our hope, our trust in him in John um, chapter one, it says that to everyone who believes in him, he gives the right to become children of God. And as we see in other passages of scripture, we are, as, as children of God, we are adopted into the household of God. And as we are adopted into the household of God, we now have the opportunity for relationship with God, one, And Which is the most awesome thing. But then two, we get to have a deep relationship with one another as children of God. We are family. And this is truly the the message of CFBU that there is possibility for you to have relationship with a very holy God and to have connection with other believers in the body of Christ who are brothers and sisters when you put your faith in Jesus. So there is that. And if you are a believer, please know that you are not alone. Please know that you have a multi-ethnic, very diverse family that that has millions and millions of people in it. And we see that from the time of Jesus all the way to today, God has done a great work in humanity. He has made a new humanity out of, you know, it says out of the nations, he creates one new people. And so, you know, know that you are not alone and that, um, if you're watching that I am praying for you and I'm sure Katrika is also praying for you.
1: All right amen thank you so much for that so yes if you and if you don't know christ or are not a part of the family already and would like to be um please reach out to monique and i monique gave you her information you have mine so we can celebrate you and get you plugged into a great bible teaching church yes so we thank you for your time monique i thank you guys for listening and grace and peace until next time